we know this infrastructure is what we need for the future. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. November elections were an incredible event for Colorado communities seeking to take back local telecommunications authority. Over 40 communities chose to override a 10-year-old state law that blocked them from investing or partnering with private sector providers to improve local connectivity. Most communities approved the ballot questions with overwhelming majorities. Virgil Turner and Audrey Danner talk with Chris this week. Virgil is the Director of Innovation and Citizen Engagement in Montrose, Colorado, and Audrey is the Executive Director of Craig Moffat Economic Development. Audrey also co-chairs the Mountain Connect Broadband Development Council. Every year, the council holds the Mountain Connect Broadband Conference. In this episode, Audrey and Virgil reflect on the results of the election and share what's next for these communities as they take advantage of their newly reacquired local authority. Here's Chris visiting with Virgil Turner and Audrey Danner. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Virgil Turner, Director of Innovation and Citizen Engagement with the City of Montrose in Colorado. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. It's great to be with you and your listeners today. And we're also speaking with Audrey Danner, the Executive Director of Craig Moffat Economic Development and Co-Chair of the wonderful Mountain Connect Broadband Development Conference. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show as well. Thank you. Uh, we've we've talked about a number of these issues in Colorado. Virgil, we've actually talked with you in the past, um, and we've talked often about how much we love the Mountain Connect event. So it's it's great to be uh, talking about Colorado again with you guys. Um, you know, I think I'd like to start by just asking you: um, Has anything recently happened that's interesting in the space of community networks in Colorado? And um, Audrey, let me ask you. Yes, I would say recently on the November third election. There were 43 entities around the state of Colorado that asked for a repeal of Senate Bill 05-152, which is legislation that notes that local governments must have permission from the voters to get involved with the development and provision of telecom services. And so many communities have previously in the elections leading up to November 3rd. And then on the November 3rd, there were over 40 that were successful in overcoming this piece of legislation that is seen as holding back communities. We know that we have been waiting for private companies to resolve this lack of high-speed internet, advanced telecommunications, broadband, if you will. And there really isn't a way to build a business case, especially in the areas that Virgil and I live in, in the northwest and western part of Colorado. So that we have to develop our own public-private partnerships or our own solution should the local government choose to create an enterprise of broadband services. Right. And Virgil, I think we may have actually found a few more. I mean, it, it's hard to divide up what the number was from what I could tell. And, and we put a list together that basically just publicized the list that you had put together. I mean, your assistance was invaluable. Um, what did, did anything surprise you on that election day? I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the number. I, I, those numbers are continuing to grow. I think I, the last count I had was we're up to about 48 
cities, towns, and, and counties throughout the state, towns as, as big as Fort Collins and, and uh, as small as Ophir, Colorado. Uh, so there's a huge outpouring of support for these uh, ballot measures to take back control of uh, our destinies with regards to broadband. Uh, there's, I think, two things that were particularly interesting. One was that it just passed with this overwhelming support. And I'd like to ask each of you if you, did you, coming into it, did you expect that every single one of them would pass with more than a two-thirds majority, some of them with four out of five people voting in favor? In Moffat County, we were 70 and 73 percent with the city and the county um, approving this. And that is a very overwhelming statement in a very rural conservative community. But I can see that the community understood the need for, we need this infrastructure for our future. I believe it's also worth noting that the Colorado Municipal League has written letters of support for repeal of this statewide piece of legislation. And a Denver Post wrote an editorial in support of the repeal of Senate Bill 05-152. Virgil, let me ask you what you expected going into that day. We have seen over the course of the past few election cycles just these overwhelming uh, approval from these communities. And so I was not surprised at all by the level. Uh, We had some that uh, were up in the high 80s and 90% in some communities. So that was a little surprising. I was thinking uh, we'd see a lot more in the 70 range, but uh, many were in the 80s. I think this is indicative of the uh, concerns that we have seen uh, after the 2015 General Assembly. Uh, As Audrey alluded to, uh, there was efforts um, for some very modest changes in 2015 uh, to have a bill introduced that would uh, reduce the, the need for communities to go out and hold these elections, even to uh, enter into public-private partnerships, do away with uh, any concern about offering Wi-Fi in your public buildings. Um, and we thought the, the uh, language for the, the bill was, uh, was going to be fairly palatable to all parties, that's a nice way of saying um, lobbyists were paid to <laughs> obstruct anything that would get in the way of a CenturyLink or Comcast monopoly. <laughs> yeah, we think that the bill could have passed through the House, but we talked to Senate leadership, and it was very obvious that uh, the bill would never get out of uh, a Senate committee. And so uh, that effort that we put into that, and there was a lot of effort put into it, uh, led to some extreme frustration in the state and cities and towns and counties um, just felt, you know, we, we're we not going to be able to make a change at the state legislature. So we're going to have to take this on ourselves. I'd like to dive into uh, what some of the specific communities are planning on doing. I, my impression is, is that there's an overwhelming number of communities. Some of the communities are just looking to make plans in the future, and some of them already have definite plans. Um, you know, Audrey, you're from a part of Colorado where we've seen some pretty impressive results already from communities that had previously reclaimed authority. Uh, Rio Blanco, uh, we did a podcast with them, and we talked with some of the folks from Steamboat Springs as well, uh, which I understand are right by you. 
up in there in uh, Moffat County. Um, so anyway, I'm just curious if you can tell us a little bit about what is in store for your region. I'm pleased to tell you that Moffat County has watched very carefully and seen the transformation in Rangeley and Meeker and Steamboats and their communities in Route and Rio Blanco County, our neighboring counties. So we are at the point in Moffat County of developing a broadband plan, and that will have some various solutions for our communities of Craig and Dinosaur, and then the unincorporated community of Maybell, that we will look at options that we have because we know this infrastructure is what we need for the future. And there just hasn't been a business case for private providers to go it alone. So with the fact that this is essential infrastructure, we will be moving forward. I will tell you that we had an unexpected assistance on our 1A and 2A, the ballot initiative override of 152. During the summer and fall, we had in Northwest Colorado several significant fiber cuts that really highlighted two things. Our reliance on the telecom infrastructure, whether you were a hospital wanting to transfer x-rays or a bank, it demonstrated our lack of redundancy here. So those are efforts that Moffat County will be focused on because we border Wyoming and Utah. So as we get out into those other states, that's important that we have um, infrastructure that keeps us up to speed with our neighboring counties and states. And uh, Virgil, let me ask you if there's any particular ones, uh, particularly perhaps nearby, that you would like to highlight. Early on, we we felt uh, that we needed to disrupt the, the cost model, the competition model for broadband within our region to really uh, reap the benefits. And so we've um, been working on a regional effort. Uh, this includes six counties, huge geographic area, uh, lots of uh, very small cities and towns. Montrose is the largest within the region at 20,000 population. Uh, we have uh, counties that go down to less than a thousand population. So we have been focused on the idea that we must uh, reduce our costs through ownership and partnership of of the long haul lines that get back to uh, internet points of presence in Denver and, and Albuquerque, perhaps even Salt Lake City. And so the the most recent plan that we're working on uh, is to acquire long-term leases or um, IRUs, indefeasible rights of use for fiber, that allows us to obtain the commodity of, of Internet over lines that we now have control of. And so we do not, we've reduced our transport costs. And so in some places we were seeing 30 to $50 per meg per, per month for Internet services. Uh, we are uh, working on our plan once it's uh, implemented, which we're starting on this spring. Uh, we will have throughout our region uh, prices down to $2 or less per meg. Uh, Internet prov- service providers uh, would were restricted from 
putting capital investment into our communities, uh, communities where they own their businesses and are trying to provide services that are not being provided by the incumbent industry. And we, we were hoping to be able to bring down their wholesale costs, and in turn, they would be able to turn around and put more money into our communities through uh, capital investment. One of the things that I notice when you're discussing uh, the strategies is that they seem to be more regional in nature than I often hear from, uh, you know, local officials or people from communities. And and Virgil, I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit about uh, where you think that might come from. Why is why are things in Colorado? Why are why are these different counties and communities so likely to work with each other? And maybe it goes back to football rivalries between towns. In the past, we've seen a lot of competition between communities. Um, we, we found that uh, this project, these initiatives are so expensive, we have to tackle them as a larger group. And that's been a fairly recent paradigm shift for us. We've seen it in other initiatives such as energy as well. Uh, these, these projects are way too large for any community to, to gain the benefit and to take advantage of the assets that are out there, the dark fiber assets. For instance, we're working with a, uh, a, a multi-state generation and transmission company who has owned uh, dark fiber assets for uh, 20 years or more. Many of their assets have remained dark. Um, we have identified those and reached out to them I think while we started off working, as as, uh, Audrey mentioned, local technology planning teams, it became very apparent uh, that we were not going to be able to do this community by community. It's going to require uh, for success to be able to work as larger regions. And we're even seeing now regions looking at how regions can work together. For instance, the southwest corner of Colorado's doing some great things, but they need access through our region to other assets in Denver and so forth. So we're looking at how we can partner even as regions as, as these uh, projects build out. And Audrey, what can you add on to why we see so much collaboration coming out of these Colorado communities? Our Department of Local Affairs, the Colorado State Office, has really emphasized regional planning and they will offer some assistance with regional infrastructure because they know going town by town, you don't always have a patchwork quilt that fits together. In the past, when railroads and rural electrics electrified our nation, they had to take the bigger picture in mind. And that's what we're finding with, you know, how do we do the backhaul, the middle mile, and then getting into our communities and getting around the communities. So I see some commonalities, but it's linking us all together for those increased capacity and decrease of cost. But we have to pay attention to what what is the future of this when several of us who've been working in this since 1990s and realized we were discussing additional facts, FAX lines years ago, and now we're talking about broadband services. And so voice, video, and data has changed and is changing 
that we're going to have to remain flexible so that we get the infrastructure in place that will be easily adaptable. So we appreciate our local government at the state level, really encourage local government um, cooperation. And there are folks like Virgil Turner who are wonderful resources for myself and others. I'm curious if there's something in the in the water coming down off the mountains because um, you know, there's a lot of places in the United States where there are small towns. I mean, even if you want to get into um, towns that are in mountains um, in other states, and we don't see the same kind of appetite for saying we're going to take a local role. Uh, in many ways, Colorado is is what I want to see. It's what we what we support at the Institute for Local Self Reliance, which is communities that are standing up and saying, we're going to figure out how to make sure we have the networks that we need. Um, but it's not something we see everywhere. Um, and I'm just curious if you if you think there's a, something we can that would explain why there's so much interest in Colorado around um, this matter. We live, especially folks in rural Colorado and in the West, live in a truly amazing place. Uh, we came here not because of high paying jobs, but because we just love where we live and we want to raise our families here. And, and I think this issue more than many issues that we deal with really threatens that livelihood, that, that way of life that we have. We live in a connected world and we have to have that access. The businesses that are in our communities must have that for economic growth and when they compete in the global market, we have to have the same level of service that you could get in the front range of Colorado or in a large urban area. Let me ask you to push back on that a little bit, because I would say that you could say the same thing about communities in western Minnesota, and yet we don't see most of them thinking um, outside the box. Uh, there's certainly some. But it seems to me that for every one that's thinking outside the box in terms of how to solve this problem and looking at local strategies, um, there's 10 in Colorado. I moved here from the Midwest. It's different in Colorado. Um, the, the, we tend to uh, not necessarily stop at obstacles, but we go around them. We find a way to make what we need to have happen happen. Whether that's um, something that's uh, indicative in others, I'm not sure, but I know that there's a special spirit in Colorado, especially Western and rural Colorado, that we just don't take no for an answer. If we need something, we're going to make it happen. Audrey, do you have any additional insights as to why we're seeing so much um, motivation in Colorado to solve this problem locally? Also, the support of Colorado Counties, Inc., which are the county associations and Colorado Municipal League, that they have put forth effort to support their membership of cities and counties. And then the state government, that absolutely just supports what all of us at the local level are trying to do. And, and Chris, I, I think I would point out, I think Mountain Connect has uh, has done wonders for this effort in Colorado. In fact, we had a, uh, a Sunday night roundtable before the conference started last year in which communities throughout the state um, were talking about what they were intending to do as far as broadband. A lot of first-time attendees at the conference last year, and it was overwhelming sitting in the room looking at the folks that were raising their hands that 
said that we are going to go forward with a ballot issue to exempt ourselves from 152. It was overwhelming. And that that conference uh, has really been at at the the arrowhead of this movement in Colorado and has has grown uh, exponentially over the last few years. That's actually something that that I was hoping we would we would mention because I've been to a lot of events and I have to say that there's something special about Mountain Connect. I think that's why we're starting to see more people from even outside Colorado uh, coming into it. Uh, Minnesota also, we just had a great event here put on by the Blandon Foundation, and I think it's it's really great when states have something like that that a local issue where they can get together and even without people like me in the room, they can talk amongst themselves about the strategies that they see are working and that sort of thing. So um, I definitely think that that has a big part to do with it. And I think the particular spirit of Mountain Connect, which invites all kinds of people of all different perspectives, um, is very helpful, too. Uh, let me ask if there's any closing thoughts as we end the show. Um, Audrey, did, is there anything that you wanted to make sure we said before we sign off? I would thank you, Chris, for the ability to open up this conversation, because that's how it starts on a local level here in Colorado, and then then we talk to our counterparts in different areas of the state. We talk at Mountain Connect, and then we talk to others around the United States. And I think it's important that we have good conversations of what can you do that is indicative of what we're trying to do, not one cookie-cutter approach of everyone has to follow this format. We are finding those unique um, aspects of each community, like the carrier neutral location in Steamboat versus the wireless in Rio Blanco County. We are changing our high-speed Internet and telecom infrastructure. I look forward to continued discussions at Mountain Connect, which will be June 5th through 7th in Keystone, Colorado. So thank you, Chris. Ah, we get to check out a new place. Yes, and we have a new website, mountainconnect.org. It's improved communication. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'll be looking forward to that, and you can count on me to do everything I can to get there. Um, Virgil, uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, I I just uh, would encourage you and your listeners to continue watching what's happening in Colorado and especially with our project in Region 10 and in the city of Montrose. I think it's going to produce some great models for cooperation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I think this is it's just so exciting to see so many communities in Colorado, and I'm sure this isn't the end. I'm sure there's still a lot more people who are being inspired now. So we'll see where it takes us, and we'll talk with you on a future show about it. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. That was Chris talking with Virgil Turner, Director of Innovation and Citizen Engagement in Montrose, Colorado, and Audrey Danner, Executive Director of Craig Moffat Economic Development and co-chair of the Mountain Connect Broadband Development Council. As projects continue to move ahead in Colorado, we will certainly bring you developments. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at CommunityNets. Find us on Facebook. We are Community Broadband Networks. We also have a new Twitter account. It's called at MuniNetworks. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcasts at muninetworks.org. We want to thank Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 178 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.